This is episode 10. Let's get started. Smarter Parenting welcomes you to our podcast series, The Parenting Coach for ADHD. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Siope Kinikini. Hi, I'm here with uh, Jesse Heaton, actually. He is a therapist out in Nebraska, and I've asked him to join me. Jesse and I have known each other for a long time, and so I'm going to have him introduce himself and the work that he's doing and what he's involved with there in uh, Nebraska. Thanks, Siope. Yep, so as Siope said, my name is Jesse Heaton, and I am a clinician here in Lincoln, Nebraska. I have a small private practice here, and I work with families, uh, mainly helping parents who have children uh, with ADHD and or autism. And so the majority of my, uh, my clients have children either on the autism spectrum or are uh, challenged with ADHD. So. That's great. So um, can you tell us a little bit about your work, like with the kids that you're working with? What are the types of skills that you work with them um, with? What do you, like what type of interventions do you use? Sure, sure. So we use the uh, social skills development curriculum on smarter parenting. Mm-hmm. And the teaching family model is a major part of the social skill development that we do. We use, um, when I work with parents, we spend a lot of time focusing on effective praise and preventive teaching. Everybody that comes into my my door gets introduced to Smarter Parenting. Ah, oh, great. They <laughs> see all the videos. We refer back to um, effective communication quite a bit in family therapy. And, um, and then on the kid's side, Without fail, they will learn the four basics. So they learn following instructions, accepting no, disagreeing appropriately, accepting consequences. How do I know that I'm starting to get distracted? What does that feel like? How do I know when I'm starting to feel frustrated and angry? What does that feel like? Or overly excited? What does that feel like? What triggers is my body telling me? And so we do a lot of emotional regulation stuff and then a lot of experiential things. Mm-hmm. So, can you explain a little bit about the experiential stuff? So you start with skills first, uh, so you can have a dialogue and a communication that actually is common between everybody. Then you focus on uh, how a body responds, and then you do experiential after that. So it seems pretty sequential, but can you explain a little bit, like, what are the techniques used in the experiential part? This is actually for me, because I'm super interested in <laughs> knowing what your approach to that. Cause I think you're the the king of experiential activities. <laughs> I don't know about that. Honestly, I've, I've seen you do so many experiential activities and I've, I've learned a ton from you in hmm. doing co-therapy with you. But So I'll just give you some examples of yesterday, just some things that we did in session. So I have a, a young kiddo um, who really struggles maintaining self-control. Oh. And so yesterday, um, after learning the skill of expressing yourself appropriately and maintaining self-control. We played Uno, and every time we gave each other a draw two or a draw four, we had to look at the other person, make eye contact with a calm face, and say, thank you. (laughs) I really appreciate that. And what this teaches is the ability to recognize that something negative might be happening to me in the moment, but it doesn't have to impact the way I respond. Right. Okay. And so we're teaching um, 
emotional regulation. I'm feeling a certain way, but then how do I express myself right. and maintain some neutral or even positive outlook mm-hmm. on, on the situation? So. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Uh, with the kids that you're working with, now you had mentioned autism and ADHD. Right. And really, ADHD usually doesn't come by itself. I mean, there's usually a bunch of other things that are going on. And right. so how do you uh, work with children when they come in with multiple issues? Like ADHD is one thing, but they're dealing with all these other things. What is your approach to that? It's a good question, Siope. So um, I initially, after doing a mental health assessment, try to identify what the priority problem is and what's causing the most dysfunction in the moment, mm-hmm. in the home, in the schoolroom. And, and so what, what's caught, what's the priority problem? Is it anger and aggression? Is it anxiety? Is it impulsivity? Mm-hmm. And so all of these little subcomponents of ADHD yeah. then come to the forefront of the work. And then we target the priority problem. So let's just say that it happens to be impulsivity. And I'm making really poor choices because I'm so caught up in the moment, whether or not it's an adrenaline rush or peer pressure, or there's just something that I can't delay my, my gratification, that I'm, I'm in the moment and I'm, and I'm just really impulsive. And so then that becomes our first target area. Okay. And then a lot of times, I mean, anxiety is a very common subcategory of ADHD. Irritability is a subcategory. Anger and aggression is a subcategory. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times ADHD just gets broken down into these smaller components and then we work on those individually. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting that you uh, are, are able to pick that apart. Do you rely more on your assessment of the child or on uh, reports from the parents and teachers? Or is, uh, how do you, how do you de- determine what is the most important topic? Yeah, good, good question. So I think that um, kids tend to come into therapy mm-hmm. just happy. They're excited to get out of the house. They're excited to impress whoever they're talking to. And so the version of the little kiddo that I see is very rarely the same kid that parents see at home. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting, just a few days ago, I heard this nasty argument walking down the hall to my office. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be an interesting couple of minutes. We'll see how this goes. Hopefully it carries on into my office and we can work on it. Sure enough, the door opens. Kid is just smiley face and <laughs> happy. And so to answer your question in a really long in a long way is the parents, I think, have the best impression as to what's happening, when it's happening, where it's happening. Mm-hmm. And so working with the parents, getting their understanding and their exposure to the behaviors, getting their um impression as to what the triggers might be is so invaluable. I mean, so much more valuable than a little hour and a half assessment that I could complete in my office Mm. in an unfamiliar place. Right. Yeah. Second to that would be the teachers, right? That the teachers see in my, in my experience, Mm -hmm. the teachers see them, if not more than the parents do during the day. Right. Getting the teacher's opinion is, is so valuable as well. 
That's great. Uh, so in your treatment, it sounds like you work with parents pretty closely to get information and input. And so how, um, how, how long would you say an intervention would be for a typical client that you would see as far as ADHD? Uh, how involved are the parents with treatment? Um, the majority of the sessions that I have are come into my office. Mm-hmm. As part of my private practice, I offer one in-home session per month. Oh, that's great. That's not very common, right? I mean, that's not really a common thing to do. I don't think it is in private practice. Yeah. Um, so the work that uh, that in-home providers do, I think, is invaluable. Mm-hmm. The majority of my young career as a clinician happened in the home. Right. And it's just really hard to recreate that environment where kids feel comfortable, where you get to see genuine behavioral and emotional responses to things. Yeah, no, I agree. I have to interrupt real quick, just because if somebody's listening or watching, then they really need to know this. Jesse actually has spent time doing in-home work. So uh, years and years of experience and then supervising other people who go into homes uh, and uh, do interventions and behavioral interventions with families. And actually, Jesse was my supervisor. So for a long time, which was great, actually, I give him a I give him a hard time with my paperwork, though, because paperwork, oh, <laughs> uh, can't I just work with kids? I would just right. want to work with kids. So that's really unique because I don't think I know any other clinician that actually will see a client in their home. Has that been more helpful for you and for them? Or is that, um, is that more difficult because you have to leave your office and drive somewhere, right? Well, so economically, yeah. it's probably not best practice. Yeah, right, right. It's in regards to treatment success rates. Yeah. Invaluable. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Not not every family takes you up on it. I mean, not every family wants you to be in their home. See the immediate immediate surroundings, and that's okay. Yeah, no, but to have that offering, you know, I think this is a great thing for parents to know is that you – if you want that type of thing, you maybe should request it or find somebody who would do that. But I, for one, feel like it's super valuable to have somebody there at the house to see what's happening. Cause it's one thing to hear about it and then to have the therapist interpret it. And then another thing to actually be in the environment and get a feel for what's happening. So right, sure. that's great. Okay. So the parents are involved. The parents are, yeah, very, very much involved. Yep. Uh, the beginning of the session or the end of the session will typically take some type of five or 10 minute um, cooperation with the parent. Mm-hmm. So just giving me a brief update. Um, I probably do this more often than I should. See, okay, to be honest. Yeah. I ask parents to send a weekly email prior oh. to the session. Mm-hmm. An idea of what they're seeing, what they've observed, what their impressions are, what the mood has been like, um, how the how are the goals coming along? It's very rare. You know, I, I work with kiddos from four to 19 years of age. Yeah. If I ask a kid how, they're, how they've done. Have they worked on their behavioral assignments? We're like, yeah, 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 for sure. Just give me my candy bar. Things are good. You know? <laughs> um, and so without parents' feedback and communication, it's just really hard to gauge how they're really doing. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. That's cool. In your practice with ADHD clients, what are the ages that you see? Like, uh, do you see all ages pretty much? or And are they pre-diagnosed before they come to you? Like, are they diagnosed by a different team? Or do you do the diagnosing? Yep, good question. So I do see kids um, starting right around the age of four. Uh-huh. Up until 
on up until they become adults. Okay. And I work with adults that have uh, a, you know, attention deficit concerns as well. Right. And a lot of times the interventions and the techniques are uh, the same in, you know, just generalized to an adult brain, a fully developed brain. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> your, your second question was good. <laughs> oh, pre-diagnosis. Right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, kids come to my office with a lot of behavioral things and parents are like, they're just they're just making these awful choices and I don't know why they do what they do. And then we break it down and then we spend some time with them and within, you know, a, a little while, three or four sessions, it becomes pretty apparent that they have several of the symptoms of, a, of an attention deficit diagnosis um, and yeah. whether or not it's ADHD combined type or ADHD inattentive type. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the inattentive type goes significantly, severely underdiagnosed. Okay. And they just get lost in the crowd. And so um, it's very rare that somebody will come to me and have an ADHD inattentive type diagnosis. Right. There are all kinds of behavioral symptoms happening and the parents can't quite put their finger on it or the school can't quite put their finger on it. And so coming pre-diagnosis is pretty, pretty familiar. Pretty Okay. Familiar. That's great. That's pretty great. All right. Uh, what's it like being in private practice? <laughs> I mean, this is a clientele you've chosen to see because you could see uh, a range of different, um, you know, issues and ages, but why this age? Why this uh, diagnosis? Why, why this population? You know, I wish I had some, miracle tearjerker story <laughs> but I, I really don't I think it it was just a matter of who I who I worked with going through my undergrad and then graduate school mm-hmm. and cases and clients that I just felt really familiar with yeah and then, um, I do see a handful of other clients for other things yeah I I think that word just gets out that you know somebody specializes in a certain diagnosis um, and then the, for some reason, I just feel this is going to sound crazy, but I just feel really fortunate. Yeah. Lucky that I went to so many, uh, autism spectrum trainings. Yeah. The state of Utah had so many just awesome, really educational conferences. And that kind of, um, tapped me into that community. Yeah. And so I, it, I feel like it was almost by chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the ADHD thing has a really special place in my heart as somebody that has ADHD and attentive type yeah. a long, long time. And I feel like I was a pretty, pretty functional, you know, semi, uh, I should say, you asked my wife if I'm functional, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, I did okay. Right. And yeah. it wasn't until much later in life that I realized, oh my word, like I, I really have some attention issues. Yeah. And uh, so they have a really special place in my heart and I just tend to gravitate and just love and appreciate who they are and what they're bringing to life. Yeah. I think that there's a misconception that they're not contributors or they don't find a way to contribute. And my experience has been in, is, um, they find a way to make things work. They're almost more creative that way um, just to try and compensate, I guess, for some of the deficiencies that they struggle with. You know what I mean? I totally do. I would agree. Yeah. So um, 
Any other things that you're working on? Any other exciting projects that you're involved with? Um, so I could go on and on. <laughs> uh, but I um, recently have tapped into a, um, a community that tracks internal biorhythms through metronomes. Okay. And um, the, the really cool thing I think about our field is that uh, research is incessant. Yeah. New things that are coming out and new strategies and evidence-based practices are coming out and it's just constantly being researched. And so just recently I've tapped into this internal biorhythm community um, where it has, it's very similar to biofeedback. Yeah. Um, but helping develop some equipment that uh, tracks internal rhythms, heart rates, the, um, the timing and the space between heartbeats and uh, the amount that a kiddo sweats under stress, hmm. the amount of muscle tension that's in their body when they feel stress. Yeah. We're helping them self-soothe through some of this timing and um, pattern work. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So are there specific exercises then that you teach them to help them regulate some of those? Right. I guess, right. Have you heard of tapping? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. Really similar to tapping. And so there is some type of a beat or a rhythm that's happening in the background, and then they get hooked up to some biofeedback-like equipment. Mm -hmm. And they tap uh, to certain rhythms. Yeah increases attention to focus and attention to detail. Yeah. Watch their internal rhythms just slow down. Yeah. A lot of times when you have a kiddo with anxiety, there's a really fast paced um, kind of personality trait that comes with that. Yep. Teaching them to slow that down through their biorhythms and being able to manipulate that through their breathing, through muscle relaxation techniques is just super cool. That is amazing. You know, I was um, introduced to some of that in a mindfulness training, but it, it the mindfulness wasn't about sitting still. It was actually integrating some body movement in order to be aware. And um, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. I think you're right. When you're able to shift the focus from the inattentiveness to something very particular, you know, for an ADHD type um, issue, it actually helps to, to helps the child figure things out a little bit better and calm down. And anyways, yeah, that's fascinating. I didn't know you were doing that. That's really cool. Yeah. When you think about coming into a situation that feels out of control yeah, and ungrounded, and then you can control and you start this belief, mm -hmm. I can control my body in this situation that I'm not a victim to you know, happenstance. I'm not a victim to the environment, but I, I can really control my response. Right. Every situation. Right. That's pretty powerful and encouraging. Yeah. 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 I think it's that spiraling thought that you're out of control, you know, that kind of just feeds on itself and pretty soon you are out of control. So that's yeah. fantastic. My that's mom great. Has this metaphor that she told me years ago uh -huh. about um, waves and uh, being blown around in the wind and being a ship lost at sea without a sail. 
think about a, a kiddo that just can becomes distracted by anything, right? The clock ticking. Yeah. Right. Or somebody yeah. sniffling in class or somebody rubbing their shoes on the ground or some thought about the car that I saw on my way to school. Right. And just helping them feel grounded, establish their sail mm-hmm. in a direction. And I'm going to keep that course. Yeah. Tools to maintain that course, I think is, is a great educational metaphor that kind of gives us some insight as to what it's like for kiddos that have ADHD. Right. So that kind of, yeah, that's great. Wow. You're, is your mom a therapist? I'm curious because she sounds smart. (laughs) My mom actually is a college professor who teaches at a university there in the woods and, but she teaches child development and. Oh, wow. So she is in the field. I mean, she's very aware of uh, issues and growth and, um, that's fantastic. So, yeah. hmm. so in a way, she is a therapist. I mean, she is a. Um, yeah, I mean, you, she was my therapist for sure growing up. <laughs> I think all our moms can be therapists. I mean, yeah, all depending. That's great. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted. I just wanted to get an overview, kind of um, talk about ADHD, what you're doing. Um, do you have any recommendations for parents? Uh, when they bring their child into a therapist to, for treatment, do you have any recommendations for them, things that they should do or consider doing or things they should ask the therapist before treatment? Yeah. Um, speaking, speaking from personal experience, mm-hmm. it can be hard at times to give parents feedback. And it's hard to give parents instruction because it's one adult to another adult. Yeah. And parenting a really sensitive topic, right? Yeah. Something that we personalize and that we all take so serious. Mm-hmm. And so I think my, my feedback or my suggestion would be to just come to, to therapy and know that this therapist might have some ideas and suggestions and they're not, they're not beating up your parenting style. Right. Saying that you're a bad parent. And I, um, I think sometimes I'm probably overly cautious. I think parents are like, hey, just give me some ideas. And I'm overly cautious, not wanting to not wanting to overstep my bounds. But just come to therapy with an open mind. And now, hey, yeah. I some things that I could do in addition to what I'm already doing mm-hmm. to help my child be successful. Yeah. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I think that there is this idea. It's weird because uh, when clients do come in, there's almost this expectation that they want you to magically do something that will fix the problem, you know, and at the same time, um, you will completely side with whatever they say and that, you know what I mean? And when you're, when you're working with a child or in therapy, um, there's a fine balance because you're trying to build a relationship um, at the same time, you're trying to offer suggestions for change um, and you're removed from the situation enough that you can see things that maybe they miss. Um, but it's hard. It is hard for a therapist to walk that fine line between, you know, suggestions and offense. Like, how, you know, I don't want to offend you, but this may be something you may want to consider. So coming in with an open mind is super helpful. So great advice. That is great. Is there anything you wanted to talk about? Um, I think that's it. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk to or answer questions or and stuff. about any ideas that you have. But 
Yeah, you know, this is kind of like just an intro in, introduction. Um, and the other part I, I do want to mention is that uh, Jesse has written quite extensively, actually on Smarter Parenting uh, blogs. So we've compiled those blogs into an ebook that is going to be available for download. So I uh, would highly suggest that you read what is in there because it um, has great information. Uh, and he covers everything from... Um, Gosh, everything that has to do with ADHD. There's quite a bit of information in there, but you'll find more information on the Smarter Parenting website about the download. So um, did you want to talk about that, but your blogs, things that you've written or anything like that? Um, sure. Okay. A lot of times, I think what I, would, what I would just encourage parents to do is understand that, you know, anytime that your kiddo was diagnosed, that's a really stressful thing. Yeah. It's a time of maybe a lot of doubt and uncertainty. You know, it really just um, encourage parents to tap into the community. Yeah. That you're not alone, that this websites like Smarter Parenting are out there to serve as a resource and a, an extra layer of support and um, that there are a lot of parents that have gone through what you've gone through. Mm -hmm. and it feels overwhelming but there's hope yeah you know in some of the parents that i've worked with they've had that dual experience where they've tried to figure out what's going on and uh, when they find out they're super happy and then they're super sad and it's like i found out what it is and now it's like oh that's just too much you know and it's understandable. It's a lot to deal with, but reaching out to the community is helpful because there are a lot of ADHD communities out there, you know? So um, reaching out is definitely a great thing to do. That's wonderful. Okay. Anything else you wanted to chat about or talk or? I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> I, I think that's good for today. Yeah, no, I think that's good today. We could talk. I know we could talk, but actually we should talk off the record that's <laughs> things that are happening and stuff like that anyways i want to thank you for for uh, at least communicating uh talking a little bit about adhd what you're doing in your neck of the woods i think there's some really great things that you're doing that i think other therapists should be doing you know uh, an in-home offering is super helpful i think that's something that most therapists should do or consider doing but you're right as far as economically it that's difficult to do because you know, that takes time and it takes uh, resources to actually make that happen. But sounds like you're doing what's in the best interest of your clients, which is super great. So, yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate all you do. We use Smarter Parenting three or four times a week. Oh, that's great. And <laughs> everyone that I work with is just loves the videos that Smarter Parenting puts out, the, um, the, the charts the chore charts, the reward charts, the behavioral charts. I mean, it's just quality, quality. Oh, so that's, that's, yeah, no, that's great to know. Thank you. We're actually doing quite a bit actually in expanding in the next little while as far as um, trying to find additional ways to reach out and focus the attention. Cause we did mostly general parenting um, initially with smarter parenting. Like the skills are pretty general. So now we're focused on ADHD trying to get um, a community around that issue and focus our efforts on addressing those things. So, but yeah, I think that's it. Gosh, thank you so much, Jesse. Absolutely. My pleasure.
community. We need your help. And the way that you can help us is to subscribe, to like, to share, and to comment on this podcast. We want to reach out to as many people as we possibly can in order to help those families who are in desperate need of resources. So again, those are the things you can do. Like, subscribe, comment, and share. Please do that. Help us grow. Help us move forward and accomplish what we want to do in helping families around the world.